My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Cornerstone. And before we actually get to the message, I just want to share some news with you. Uh, many of you might already know this, but Liz Miller, a dear sister, um, who's attended Cornerstone for much longer than the majority of us, uh, passed away this last week. She lost her battle with cancer, and uh, we know that she's in a better place. She's placed her faith in Jesus, um, but we still grieve the loss, and we uh, lift up her family and her friends specifically. You know, Liz was just one of those faithful prayer warriors who would show up every Thursday at the Cornerstone, uh, at the Roster campus, and pray for those requests that many of you would send in on Sunday mornings. Uh, She was there every week, and so we're going to miss her, but we celebrate the fact that she is with Jesus now in a much better place. And it's interesting because it was actually Liz who gave me uh, this Bible. She gave this to my wife and I, and I use this every Wednesday when I teach uh, the youth kids, and I use it on Sunday uh, whenever I preach here, and it's kind of falling apart. Um, It's all marked up, but it's just one of those things that every time I see this, I think of her. So she holds a a dear place in my heart. Um, There's information on her service in your bulletin, so make sure to check that out. Um, It's going to be this coming up Saturday. So uh, we're going to start this morning a little bit different. I'm going to give you the big idea up front. So we're going to just jump right into it. And the big idea is this. It's possible to be in the presence of someone without being present with them. It's possible to be in the presence of someone without being present with them. And I've been wrestling through this thought the past couple of weeks, um, especially as it pertains to our relationship with God. How easy it is to be in the presence of God, just like we are here, and yet at the same time, not actually be present with Him. You know, I truly believe that as I'm speaking, God's presence is in this room, that His Spirit is here. The question really is, are, are we here? Are we present with Him? Or are we maybe distracted by the upcoming football season, which I think starts next week? Is that right, Scott? Um, Or are we maybe distracted by what we're going to be doing after church? Are we distracted by uh, things that might be going on in our home or at school? Are we distracted by those things or are we actually here with him? You know, just a few minutes ago, we sung some worship songs. Were you present in those songs? Did you realize that those songs were supposed to be sung from a, a grateful, thankful heart to the king of the universe Or were you just singing because you knew the song and it's just kind of like something that you do, habitually almost? Or or maybe were you distracted uh, by your opinion of the drums being too loud or the electric guitar doing too much or, or, or the lights not being quite right or the song being too old or being too long? Were, were you or was I distracted or were we, were we actually present in that moment realizing, man, we're, we get to sing to Jesus, the king of the universe, How easy it is to be in the presence of someone without being present with them. And now, uh, the reason why this has been such a struggle for me the past couple of weeks is because um, a few weeks ago, my wife and I were having what you would call a crucial conversation. Um, Those conversations that are never fun, but always important. And um, she, she said this thing to me that really just stuck with me and resonated with me and made me think about this. And she said, Josh, when you're here... I feel like you're not actually here. And that was like, oh man. You know, at first I wanted to get defensive and try to explain myself, um, but I had to take a step back and, and I realized she was right. I was distracted. 
Because when I was at home, I really wasn't at home. I wasn't present with my wife and with my kids. I was thinking about other things. You know what was distracting me? (laughs) Not just mountain biking in general, but this specific bike. (laughs) Pivot Mach 429 SL. This bike has been on my mind so much lately and I know some of you are like, that's so stupid. It's just a bike. But it's, it's true. I mean, it's just one of those little things that I let kind of creep in the way of the more important things. And I would talk to my wife about this bike like six or seven or eight times a day. And I, and I tell her about the different specs and how you can build it up to be super light and like the best race bike. And I'm trying to convince her why this should be my next bike. And she's like, I don't care. It's a bike. You know, like, ask me about how I'm doing. Ask me, you know, how was your day? Let's talk about things that actually matter. And my mind was just so consumed. I was watching YouTube videos on this thing and review videos and studying it. Just, just little things like that uh, that I let get in the way of the more important things. And I think, you know, how often do we do that with our relationship with Jesus? Because really, my, my horizontal relationships that I have are a reflection of my vertical relationship that I have. And if my horizontal relationships aren't going well, you can bet that my vertical relationship with Jesus isn't going well, and vice versa. So I had to take a step back and ask myself, man, like, what's creeping in? What's getting in the way of really being present with the people around me and really being present with Jesus? Because I truly believe that there is no better place than being present with Jesus. I really think that's the best place to be. I'm talking about those moments when you're so with him that nothing else matters. I mean, you're just so captivated by his love for you that you could be going through cancer and it doesn't matter because in that moment you're with Jesus. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And those moments aren't always achieved by spending like seven hours reading the Bible or three hours locked in your closet praying, although they they can be if you have that amount of time to devote to those things, that's a beautiful thing to do. But so often those moments are had when you're driving in your car on the way to work and that, that one song comes on the radio, that song that your soul just needs in that moment, and you just break down weeping and you're like, God, you were so good, you knew that I needed this. Those moments are oftentimes achieved when you're hiking and you just see the sunset or the sunrise or you just see some beautiful landscape and you're just in that moment with God and you're like, I can't believe you allow me to see this. Like if this on earth is this good, I can't even imagine what heaven's going to be like. You know, those moments are often had in, in in your quiet time when you just read that one verse that again speaks to the situation that you're at or that you're in, and your soul just rejoices in that. Don't put a time limit on God. He can do just as much in three minutes as he can in three hours, and so often those moments are had just within 30 seconds or within a minute. And those, in my opinion, I I strongly believe, are the best times, the best place that we can be is actually being present with him. And again, some of you are like, yes, I know what you're talking about. I had that moment this morning or this past week. Other people are like, I know what you're talking about, but uh, it's been a little while since I've had one of those moments. And then there are some people who are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never had that kind of experience with Jesus. I don't know what, what it means to be with him. For some people in this room, Jesus is like uh, this elusive unicorn 
right? It's, it's like maybe you've, you've seen evidence of him, like tracks in the mud, but you have yet to actually gaze upon him and all of his beauty. And, and, and he's just this elusive creature that lives in some fairy tale land. Well, I have good news. Jesus isn't some elusive unicorn. He doesn't live in some far off fairy tale land. He's alive and he's present. And maybe the reason why he seems so elusive isn't because he doesn't exist. Maybe it's because we're just simply too distracted to actually notice him. Because we know that he desires for us to know him and to love him and to be with him because he's given us his word. This whole book points to him. It speaks of him. It gives us instructions of how to know him and trust in him and and to deepen our relationship with him. He's given us his spirit so we know he desires for us to know him, but do we have that willing heart to to search for him, to seek him and to, to be present with him and to know him or are we just too distracted? So this morning we're gonna look to his word and we're gonna look at a story of two sisters, one who was present with Jesus and one who was distracted. And from this story, we're going to learn two practical things that we can do to actually practice being present with Jesus. So we're going to look at this passage from Luke chapter 10. It's going to be verses 38 through 39. It's a familiar story. So starting in verse 38, Luke records, he says, Now as they, that's Jesus and the disciples, went on their way, Jesus entered a village This village we know from the other gospel accounts is Bethany, sits about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. I think the first way that we can practice being present with Jesus is to learn to say no. Learn to say no. I know some of you are like, I don't, who said no in that passage? Like, what are you talking about? But Mary actually said no to the cultural norms of her day. Because it was expected of her to be serving and to be cleaning the house and preparing the meal and, and hosting the guests. It was culturally expected of, of the women of that day to make sure that, that the guests who came into the home were, were uh, welcomed and taken care of. So culturally speaking, this this was unheard of for a woman to sit at the feet of a rabbi or at the feet of a teacher because that place was reserved for men. And here's Mary saying, I don't care about that stuff. Jesus is here and I want to be present with him. It wasn't good enough for her to just be in his presence, to be in the same room. She wanted to be present with him. So she said, I don't care about the norms of my day. I'm going to sit down at his feet I'm going to hang on to every word that he says. It's an amazing thing that we see from Mary. And it's interesting because every time we encounter this Mary, Mary from Bethany in the Bible, all three times, she's hanging out at the feet of Jesus. Here in this passage, again in John chapter 11, when her brother dies and she falls at Jesus' feet weeping. And then again in John chapter 12, when she anoints Jesus with that expensive perfume. So she learns at the feet of Jesus, she grieves at the feet of Jesus, she worships at the feet of Jesus. What an awesome place to be remembered by hanging out at, 
You know, we're here in 2017 talking about this lady who hung out at the feet of Jesus. In 2,000 years, how are people going to remember us? As people who hung out with Jesus and clung to him? Or as people who were maybe distracted and, and, and kind of carried away by just the cares of this world? Amazing lesson that we can learn from Mary. And I think that if we genuinely desire to be present with Jesus, then just like Mary, we need to occasionally say no to some things, some cultural norms that might even be expected of us. You know, cultural norms like busyness. Now, just by show of hands, how many of you have ever responded to somebody who's asked you how you're doing with something along the lines of, I'm really busy, but I'm good? Anybody? I do that all the time. And after studying this and really praying about it and reflecting on my life, I realized that is such a stupid thing for me to say. Because the reality is when I'm busy, I'm not just talking about like a busy day that you have or maybe even a busy week. I'm talking about seasons of busyness. But when I'm in a season of, of busyness, I don't have time for people, right? So I, I close my door at work and I don't want to be distracted. And when I go home, I, I bring work with me. And, you know, I often spend more time at the office than I do at home when, when I'm really busy. I'm stretched thin. I'm oftentimes frustrated. I'm not good when I'm busy. So why do I say that? Why, why, why is it socially acceptable for us to say stuff like that when so often we're not actually good when we're busy? I don't know, I don't have the answer for it, but maybe it's because we oftentimes equate busyness with success and we want people to, to think like, oh, he's successful, he's, he's busy, he's bringing in the bucks, he's taking care of his family, when so oftentimes uh, being busy is slowly killing us. You know, I was, I was having a conversation with a friend and um, over multiple meetings, um, he kind of helped me realize that busyness is like smoking. You, know, you might like it, but it's not good for you. It's slowly killing us. We can learn this valuable lesson from Mary. Say, say no to those things. You know, it's um, really easy for us to fill our calendar and the culture that we live in and the time that we live in with all the things that we can do. It's so easy to fill our calendar. Do you know we can say no to a lot of the stuff that, that we say yes to? Stuff, that, the, the trivial things? Like, it's okay to say no to our kids' sports or to music lessons. It's okay to say no to a night out with friends. It's, I say this carefully, it's even okay to say no to ministry opportunities if those activities are getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus. Now, I want to be clear, it's not bad to have your kids in sports. That's totally fine. I encourage it. It's not bad to have them play uh, musical instruments and to take lessons. It's not bad to go and hang out with friends and make plans. That's, that's all good. But if all those activities are leaving us with no time to be present with Jesus, then something needs to change. We need to reevaluate some stuff and, and, and look at our calendar and say, what can we say no to so that we can say yes to the more important things, mainly our relationship with Jesus? So we see that Mary said no to those things that were expected of her in that moment so that she could be present with Jesus. I think that's a valuable lesson for us to learn, to say no to some things. The text continues, but Martha, Mary's sister, was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. You can tell that they're siblings. 
But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. I love that last part of that verse. I think the second thing that we can do to practice being present is to focus more on the who and less on the what. Focus more on the who and less on the what. In verse 40, it says that Martha was distracted. And it's a word that literally means to be pulled away in many directions. And what was she distracted by? Much serving. Right? All the things that needed to be done. Taking care of the house and making sure things are clean. Making sure that the food was cooked and that there was enough of it. That the guests were comfortable. She had dozens of things on her mind, she was distracted by what needed to be done, so much so that she forgot who was actually there. Do you ever feel like that? Right? You got so much going on that, that you forget about or you neglect the people that are actually there. You know, how, how easy it is for us to manage and take care of a house, but never actually build a home. Or to live with a spouse, but never cultivate a marriage. Or to serve on Sundays but never actually serve Jesus. Or, or to sing out worship songs, Christian songs, but never actually worship. For Martha, her focus was more on the what and less on the who. Her priorities were flipped. And as a result of flipped priorities, she flipped out a little bit on Jesus and her sister. In her frustration, she lashes out and she says, Jesus, like, don't you even care that Mary's left me all alone to do this by myself? Tell her to help me. Right? We, we see this frustration start to come out. And I love Jesus' tender response because he knows it's not about the stuff that needs to be done. He, he knows that there's a heart issue going on. So he says, Martha, Martha, hold on a second. Look, it. you're so anxious and troubled by the many things. Only one thing is necessary. Just, just take, a, take a break for a minute, Martha. You know, he's pointing to her anxious, troubled, distracted heart. It was Martha's worry and distraction that prevented her from truly being present with Jesus. And it caused her to shove a wedge between her relationship with Jesus and her relationship with her sister. And, and we see these two things that come out of a frustrated, anxious, troubled heart. The first one is we start blaming everyone else for what's not right. And the second one is we, questions, we question God's love and concern for us. I, we see that, that that's exactly what Mary did. God, don't you, Lord, don't you even care? Have you guys ever been in that place? Right? We're so focused on our agenda and what needed to be done. Kind of like, God, don't you even care about my schedule and the things that I need to do? I know I get like that oftentimes. Like, send in the help. Where is everybody to help me push my agenda? These frustrated hearts start telling themselves stories about people and about God that so often aren't even true. I'll never forget an email that I got from a person um, who was frustrated about some stuff. And this person emailed me and told me how uh, some specific youth kids needed to be more involved in a ministry here at the church. And this person was telling themselves this story that basically the, the kids were just these lazy slackers that needed to step up their game. 
they, they needed to serve a little bit more. And I had to write this person back and say, here's, here's what's really going on. They're, they're serving in the children's ministry. They're, they're up there running lights, even right now. Thank you, Caleb. They're cameras, all right? And, and they're helping out with lights, and, and they're serving on the worship team. It, just in, the, in, in, our, in our frustrations, we come up with stories about people and about God that so often aren't true. And thankfully, you know, this person apologized and said, oh, I didn't realize that, that so many people were, were serving in that capacity. It's just amazing what a frustrated heart comes up with, and we see that here in Martha. But at the same time, I don't want to just sound like I'm beating Martha up. She's not um, necessarily doing bad things here. She's actually doing a good thing, right? She, she opened up her house to, to Jesus and to his disciples. She's being hospitable. She's serving them. She's doing the things that God calls us to do. These are good things that she's doing, but even good things, if they're not prioritized correctly, can distract us from the one necessary thing that Jesus is pointing at here. Deepening our relationship with him and really being present with him. Do we realize that so often Satan doesn't tempt you with evil, he just distracts you with good? That is so true. He doesn't always tempt you with evil. He just distracts you with good. He doesn't always try to break up your marriage by tempting you to cheat on your spouse with another person. Sometimes, he just kind of lures you away from them with good things. Like mountain biking, right? I'm guilty of that. You know, I had no desire to cheat on my wife, but at the same time, um, our relationship was hurting because I was focused, I was distracted by um, what I would consider good things, mountain biking. How often he does that. He doesn't always try to wreak havoc on your relationship with Jesus by shoving this blatant opportunity for you to sin right in your face, right? Like stealing something or murdering somebody. So often he just throws out these enticing breadcrumbs that pull you away from the path that God wants you on. And then all of a sudden you kind of look up and you're like, Jesus, where are you? How did I get here? I thought I was doing good things, yet you feel so distant from me and everybody else feels so distant from me. He's sly and he's cunning. We need to be careful of that. You know, our plates get so full of good things that we often miss out on that one necessary thing. And Mary chose the good portion. That's what Jesus says. Mary chose the good portion. That that word portion has some Old Testament richness to it. It's this idea that Mary chose the one who would sustain her life and give her life. Not just for a moment like a meal does, but for eternity. Mary chose the good portion. It was a choice. And sitting at the feet of Jesus and being present with him, it doesn't happen automatically. So often it's the last choice that we want to do because we have these things that so easily fill up our time. I mean, like, I'm never bored anymore because I can just get on Facebook or Strava or some other app and I can just fill up my time. But it's a choice that we have to make to be present with Jesus, to carve out some time in our day to just kind of sit like Mary and be still and be with him. Let us never forget that how easy it is to be in the presence of someone without being present with them. Now, before we, we close, we've got a kind of a special way of closing. I want to give you some next steps. These are ways that we can apply this message so that it's just so much more 
than words on a Sunday, but the, so we take this into our week. And the first next step is to ask someone close to you what they believe the biggest distraction is in your life. Now, many of us already have an idea of what that distraction is, but it's always good to get outside perspective on that because we all have blind spots in our life and we we need some help sometimes. I needed help from my wife. Even though though I didn't ask for it at the time, I didn't want it at the time, I, I needed help. So let's be the bigger person. Let's take that first step this week and just ask somebody that you love and that you trust that you can have that kind of conversation with and just say, hey, what is it that you see in my life that's distracting me? This conversation might not be easy. It's probably not going to be pretty, but it's going to be worth it. That's step number one. Step number two, ask yourself, what boundaries should I set so that Jesus remains my top priority? What boundaries do you need to set so that Jesus remains your top priority? For me, some of the boundaries that I needed to set um, in regards to my mountain bike obsession, uh, I stopped watching YouTube videos and review videos. I stopped going to the, the Pivot website and dreaming up like my, my, my dream build. Instead of, when, when I have the urge to talk to my wife about mountain biking, um, instead of bringing up a bike or something, I ask her about her day or I, or I try to encourage her in some way. You know, th- these are just little boundaries. And again, some of you are thinking like, that's so ridiculous, that's so petty. But aren't all distractions petty in comparison to to Jesus. You know, so, so what are those boundaries? Another big one for both of us is just electronics in general. How easy it is to put the kids down and then we both just jump on our phone and do, you know, we do our own thing and it's like, okay, time to go to bed. Love you. Good night. Right? So we, we now take, there's certain days where we turn off everything and we just have been playing card games and they've been really fun and we've been laughing together and sharing stories and just hanging out in that way. So what are some of those boundaries that you might need to set? And then the third one, intentionally set a time this week to be present with Jesus. Even if that means taking out your calendar, crossing something off so that you make time to actually be present with him. Again, it doesn't have to be seven hours. It doesn't even have to be one hour. This is going to look different for each of us. For some people, it might mean bringing your Bible to work and just reading one chapter during your, your lunch break. For other people, it's going to be going out on a hike and just spending that, that time praying. For other people, it's going to be grabbing a cup of coffee and sitting in the most comfortable chair that you own and putting like Hillsong United playlist on your Pandora and just, just sitting and listening to those worship songs and singing out to those. It's going to look different for each of us. For some people, it might be grabbing your family, going out somewhere and serving together. You know, just whatever that looks like for you, set a time this week to intentionally be present with Jesus. And now we're going to do just that, but this does not count as your time this week. So you can't say, well, I did it on Sunday when, when, when we wrapped up. Okay, this is just to, to kind of whet your appetite, to give you a foretaste of how good it really is to be present with Jesus so we're done with the notes. We're done with everything. You can put your Bibles away. You can put your paper away. You put your cell phones away, your iPads away. We won't need those anymore. I'll give you time to do that. All right, now everybody taking a deep breath. Let it out. 
There's a lot of yawns in that. I saw that. <clears throat> now is just a time for us to be, to be really present. I know so many people are thinking about what you're going to do next. And, you know, we've got a three-day weekend, and that, that's great. But just for the next couple of minutes, let's be present with Jesus. I'm going to read some passages over you. Then I'm going to pray. Then we're going to move into a time of communion. But, but as I read these passages, realize that these are not my words. These are words that Jesus actually spoke. These are words that came from his mouth. So I want you to envision yourself at the feet of Jesus, hearing these words for the first time. It's just you and Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. So let's close our eyes. Let's picture that Jesus is in front of us, that it's just us and him. And he says these words. Come, follow me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Father, how beautiful those words are. 
God, help us to be present with you in this moment. God, forgive us of of the times when we let little trivial things get in the way of the, the most important thing. Things like mountain biking and Facebook and Snapchat and Instagram, all those all those petty things in comparison to you. God, I pray that this wouldn't just be something that we do this week, but that this would be a habit that we start forming in our lives. Just taking time to say no to the things that are distracting us so that we can say yes to you. God, help us to be present with you, to long for those moments where we're so just captivated by you that nothing else matters. So Father, thank you that you've revealed yourself to us and that we can know you. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for your forgiveness and your mercy and your love. God, help us as we move into this time of communion to just continually being present with you as we remember your body that was broken and your blood that was shed on our behalf. We love you and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. Dot com.